following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. All right, here we are in the shed for Adventures from the Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. On iTunes, Facebook, Stitcher Radio, Google Plus, Bing, and hey, right here on the tube of you. Uh, we're here in the shed today. We have a special day set for us of uh, Trail of Cthulhu. And the person who's going to get us started with that is a person who's going to say hi first. That guy over there. Joe, every day I'm with you is a special day. Who hey. is that, though? Hey, everyone. This is Kurt. Uh, I'm going to be playing the Keeper today in the Trail of Cthulhu adventure, The Keepers of the Woods. Cool. Oh, and after that, I get to press buttons here still. And I'm going to switch that to that guy. Hello, everybody. I'm Verge. I've been guest on the uh, on the shed before. Looking forward to getting into this. It's a game I've never played before, so and waking up. Oh yeah, I'm just <laughs> new baby man. It's all good. We'll try to keep you awake. And that guy. <laughs> I'm just here for the hot pineapple. This is Chris. Don't don't uh, don't. Just see if don't. we can drive everybody to insanity with the hot pineapple. Woohoo! And um, last and most importantly is uh, Kurt. Or me. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm here, and we are here, and um, we we won't go straight to the hot pineapple because, all right, all right. I did my best not to mention that even one time today. So awesome. I'll that all to you. I think it might break the spirit of the game that we're trying yeah. to play. But well, you know, hot pineapple. You have to, you That's why I threw it in at the beginning. Yeah. All right. If it's all right, let me give you all a preface because this is a new game system to all, all right. of us. Um, we yeah. played. Some of us played one Trail of Cthulhu adventure years ago that Joe ran. Halloween 2016, I believe. Yeah, and I think it was like Return to Red Hook or something mm -hmm. from the Arkham Detectives book. But I think that's the only time we played. And Chris, were you in that game? I don't think so. You were not. And Verge, mm -hmm. you weren't. Yeah, definitely wasn't. And I have never been the game master or what they call the keeper. The keeper. For a Trail of Cthulhu game. So I won't lie, I'm a little nervous. It's, uh, it's hard to run a totally new system, particularly when you're being recorded. Uh, but I know that these guys uh, are great storytellers and great players, so I think we're going to have a really good time. I um, think he's talking about you. <laughs> the Trail of Cthulhu system was created by uh, Ken Height, uh, and it's based on the Gumshoe investigative game system, which was created by Robin D. Laws, who's super famous, and a lot of you probably know him. Um, let me just give a real high-level overview of Gumshoe, and then talk a little bit about Trail of Cthulhu. And then I think what we're going to do here on this first session is kind of jump into character creation. Uh, and talk a little bit about the backstory, and then probably jump right into the adventure. Um, so shiny. <laughs> that, is a, that is an attractive bald head. Um, I will also say that <laughs> when it gets into the adventure itself, if you are watching this for a how-to-play Trail of Cthulhu, uh, you're probably in the wrong place. Or, uh, if you're watching it for how to learn to play, this might be a good idea. Exactly. My point Maybe was, not how to play it the right way. <laughs> I will likely make mistakes yeah. in the way that we handle some tests or combat or things like that, but we're playing it mostly for story and for fun, and we're going to get as close as we can. Uh, but if you are an expert and you realize that I used the wrong number for a difficulty <laughs> check or something, yeah. I, I know that's going to happen, and we're not going to worry about it. Um, so before we talk about the system a little bit, I wanted to uh, just read you guys, because I think it's awesome, uh, two paragraphs from the introduction in the core rulebook. Um, this is not necessarily backstory for your investigators at this point in your career. Don't mess up, Kurt. <laughs> no, I'll be devoured by the, the deep ones. 
um, but I just like this for flavor. Um, you are among the few who suspect the truth about the mad gods at the center of the universe, about the great old ones who dream of clearing off the earth, about the extraterrestrials who use mankind in their experiments, about the ancient legends of undying evil that are all coming true. You have to make sure nobody else ever finds out or the world will wake up screaming. You have to keep the doors to the outside from swinging open, no matter what the cost in life or sanity. You have to piece together the clues from books bound in human skin, from eviscerated corpses covered in ichor, and from inscriptions carved on the walls built before humanity evolved. You have to go wherever the answers are and do what needs to be done. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm up for that. <laughs> Having said that, unlike D&D uh, &D or the Roll20 games that we tend to play, this is really an investigative game. And what Trail of Cthulhu is, my understanding is, you know, there's a prior game from a, di a different company, different system called Call of Cthulhu, which some of the watchers may be familiar with. And uh, people love the flavor of that game, love the, the universe created by H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, but they took that game and then modified it to the gumshoe system and created a new game called Trail of Cthulhu. <clears throat> and what the gumshoe system is built around is investigating and finding clues. And kind of the core philosophy, I, the way I understand it, is that it is no fun to not find clues and proceed. Yeah. So, you know, in D&D, like, you can be in a room, and if you roll a really crappy perception check, you just don't find the secret room. Uh, and if a secret room is awesome, it, well, it's, you know, a bummer that you missed it. Uh, and what we're going to do here is have you never miss at least the core clue that makes you get onto the next scene to keep the story moving forward. Now, there's additional information that you can get by playing your character well and using points in a way that we'll talk about. But that's essentially for more flavor, for more background, for stuff that will help create the mood uh, of the game you know, at a deeper and higher level. So I'll give you guys just a little overview of the way Gumshoe works. Um, there are other games built on this system, published by Pelgrane Press. Uh, for example, Night Black, Nice Black Agents is kind of a uh, World War II meets Dracula uh, spy adventure. Um, they also have a Delta Green kind of uh, Vietnam horror game that I'm not particularly familiar with, but that's supposed to be awesome. Um, and there may be others as well, but uh, they share this basic system. And the idea here is that you are going to play a character called an investigator, and I'm going to play the game master, which we call the keeper. Uh, and the, this plot will bring you guys together, but your goal is to have investigators who complement each other by covering almost all of the skills that we would need. And instead of trying to be particularly awesome at one thing, you're probably going to have a kind of a broad space of skills. Um, there are two types of abilities in the game. There are investigative abilities, um, and this is how you learn stuff. Um, so if you look on your character, sh uh, character sheet, um, I think you'll see yeah, it's got out here. academic and a personal technical. Yeah, so we've got um, we've got all the skills kind of listed by area here. Um, investigative abilities are, are broken down. They're the academic, interpersonal, and technical knowledge, but they all work basically the same way. As long as you have one point in that skill, you can do that, and you're essentially an expert at it. So we're going to have points to allocate, and as long as you have a point in archaeology, then you know a lot about archaeology. Okay. Okay. Now, if you put additional investigative points into archaeology, so let's say for some reason you had three points, you can spend those points during the course of our adventure to get additional information. So, you know, if we're in a place uh, where there's 
something um, a particularly interesting facade on a building, you might say, hey, I want to use my archaeology skill to see what I know about this building or how old this building is or its history. <clears throat> and I might tell you something. Uh, and then I might either offer that there's additional information if you're willing to spend points, or you can proactively say to me, hey, I want to, if it makes sense, I want to spend a point in archaeology to find out more. Now, when you spend that point, that point is gone. It's gone from your pool. Okay. Now, we'll say, generally, don't hoard your points, okay? Um, we're doing a one-shot. Um, the chances of you running out of points are not that high. And if you do, it's never going to stop the adventure. Yeah. Ending the game with a bunch of points and, you know, assess honesty or archaeology just means you didn't have fun spending them. Right. Um, so Plus, I, if you're at the end and you have zero points, it can create more tension because there's less extra stuff you can do. You're stuck where you are. That's right. And trying to find a way out. But you will never not be able to do your skill. Okay. Yeah. So you'll always at least have that skill. Now, if Chris started off with three points in archaeology and Verge started out in one, all that means is you have the opportunity to fight to ask for more archaeology knowledge during the course of the game. It doesn't mean you're a better archaeologist than he is. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and generally, you are going to want to spread your investigative skills so that you can cover everything. Um, now, as I said, you'll never fail on an investigation. It's just a question of how much more do you get. That sounds yeah. like a challenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure we could fail. It was when you guys go into a room or into a scene, um, you know, you guys, I think, are good enough players to kind of say, I, you know, I look around, what do I see, and point me something on your character sheet that might let me give you clues. So, you know, you could say, wow, the, you know, there's something weird going on with the weather um, and look for something that might help you that. It could be maybe outdoorsman or maybe physics. Um, if no one is, you know, if you guys are stumbling or no one's asking kind of the right things, I might offer, like I said, hey, this might be a good place for someone to make a, a physics check. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so I'm not going to linger on that. Other type of skills are the what they call general abilities, and these require tests. So... Uh, these are things like driving, scuffling, using firearms, um, and these, uh, you will have points that you can spend to improve essentially your role, uh, but you can fail on your use of general abilities. All roles in this game are really simple because they are 1d6, and basically you're just rolling against a difficulty number that I will usually tell you, and that will often be four, okay? So... One, two, three, you fail. Four, five, six, you succeed on the general ability. Is the basic way it works. But if you have eight points in driving and you want to really make sure that you make this turn and don't go off the cliff or whatever the negative would be, you can take two or three points from your driving pool, spend them permanently, and then add that to your D6. Gotcha. So spending even just a few points can basically guarantee you success on a the particular adventure we're playing probably is not going to have a lot of combat. And the reason is we're playing the Keepers of the Woods, which is uh, what they would call a purist adventure. Basically, in Trail of Cthulhu, there's kind of two types of games. Well, there's the standard, but then there's purist and there's pulp. Pulp would be more like your investigators with, you know, machine guns going around and ultimately probably shooting at the deep ones at the end of the game. Um, it's a little bit sillier, but potentially a little bit more fun if you're in that mood, I would say. Um, this one is at the opposite end of the spectrum. It's going to be a little bit more psychological. Um, you'll ha actually have more risk of kind of going crazy yeah, or, yeah. or dying. Um, and, you know, the author who, who created the Cthulhu mythos, H.P. Lovecraft, he wrote in both of these styles at different points in his career. So they're both legitimate. It's just today we're going to be playing purist. Um, so combat won't be as important to you. All right, what else do I need to tell you guys about uh, gumshoe background? 
I think. You're not really asking, right? That's rhetorical. I'm just looking at my, right. my notes to make sure I've got a... Because, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think what that's else? enough uh, background. The funny part is, I've run this, but I don't remember enough of it from 2016. So I will tell you, <clears> here we are, 2019. This, yeah, if you don't play it, you're not going to remember yeah. the details of the system. Um, Hellgrain Press is awesome. They're one of the great game publishers. Mm. And on their website, they put up a lot of uh, free stuff. And they actually have a whole Trail of Cthulhu page with links to all yeah. kind of free resources, including character sheet, a couple of free adventures. This is one of their free adventures. Let me mention another thing, too. One of the reasons that we're playing this, I bought the book for Trail of Cthulhu, and one of the things Pelgrim Press does is they let you get the PDF for free if you can show them proof of purchase for the book. Right. And I can't find my book, but because I have the PDF, Kurt was able to put something together for us. So, you know, right. big props to them because now you have the digital version. And that allowed us to actually get this going today because I can't find my damn book. Yes, if only Wizards of the Coast would listen. To yeah. That would be awesome. Yep. Um, but they, they do have a few free adventures. They're also, you know, you can buy books like, I think it's Arkham Detective Tales has four yep. or five adventures and things like that. But having said that, they also have up on there a, links to a one-page rules cheat sheet, which is awesome because the core rulebook is 256 pages or something. So they have a one-page cheat sheet. Um, but I'm presuming that the gentlemen playing with me today don't know any of these rules, and we're just going to try to walk through it as need be, rather than going through them all now. When we encounter um, a situation, we will do our best to play through it according to the rules, or at least according to something that is fun. There is also a link Which is there. rule number one in the shed. That is right. Yes. That's right. We're more about the story and the recording than getting every technical rule correct here today. Fun. Yep. I think you should be like that in your home games, too. Because well, yeah. yeah. But sometimes, especially in a home game, you have the time to just sit and look up a rule, especially if everyone wants to know what it was. Yeah. Because you get in those situations of, really? Does that really do 2d10 of damage? No, I think it's one. No, I think it's three. And then you take that time to, to go find it. Here, we're just going to say whatever was the most beneficial. If it was <laughs> the bad guy casting it, it's going to be one. If it was a good guy, it's three. And move on. Um, I'll just also mention that up on that website, there's a condensed rules PDF oh, cool. um, that's about 35 pages that, to be honest, is more than enough or at least points you to the big book uh -huh. or key areas. Cool. And there is uh, something created by a, uh, a third party, Tony Williams, who's done a lot of stuff with this game. I'm not sure I'll pronounce this right, but I think it's the Enchiridion of Elucidation, which mm -hmm. is kind of his summary of the rules with examples, which is really helpful. All right. So enough background, I think. Um, Keepers of the Woods, in the PDF, which is about 30 pages total, uh, provides, I think it's five sample investigators. And we had started kind of coming up with our own investigators, but when I looked at it, these sample investigators uh, are great for having links to each other and links to the plot. And also, um, because it already has stats in there, I think it'll make it a little bit easier for our, our guys. So I don't know if we're going to use them exactly as written, but they were close enough to what the guys wanted to do that they're at least going to be the basis for the characters that they play today. And if you have this PDF, those sample investigators are on pages like uh, 7 to 9, I think. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Kirk. So I have the papers right here. It is 7, 8, and 9. Awesome. And I'm just finishing writing down the stuff for the character that I'm going to play. So that I yep. can pass it on to through? someone yeah. else. Yeah, just, yeah, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so wh why don't you guys, because um, I want to look one or two things up, why don't you guys take, um, actually, let me give a, a five-second overview mm -hmm. of the adventure and, and the society that you guys are a part of, uh, and then you guys can maybe 
give your backstory and kind of show or tell everyone what you've got for your abilities. Um, so you guys are all uh, affiliated in some way with a group called the Miscellany Society. Um, this adventure starts in London, England, uh, and the society holds uh, various meetings and lectures, demonstrations uh, in a very nice, large, upscale, what we would call townhouse um, in the Bloomsbury region or district of London. Um, the, the subjects of the talks and meetings always focus on folklore and history, mythology, uh, and also literature related to the occult. Um, it invites characters and people of all types, uh, anyone with interest in the matter. So you might have a dilettante there who's just kind of bored with his or her life and likes to um, come to the meetings. You might have a book dealer who goes there to learn advanced knowledge that will help him with his shop or his acquisitions. Um, there are members of the military, police officers, um, even, you know, you could have a homeless person who just needs ways to fill the time and so he can come and listen to the lectures. They are open to all who have interest. Um, so I'd say that just by way of background for when you guys are going through telling us kind of what your link is to the society. You also all have a link to Professor Blackwood, who is a, an incredibly knowledge, uh, knowledgeable professor in this area. Um, she is a little bit older than you all. She's kind of in her mid-40s. Um, she's what I would think of as kind of a classic professor. She's often wearing kind of a tartan plaid skirt. Um, she has her long hair often up in a bun, and she uh, usually has a pen literally stuck in the bun of her hair uh, because cool. she almost always is carrying, and you would all know this, her burgundy leather journal that she writes all of her notes and observations in, and so she'll often literally like grab a pen out of the bun of her hair to jot notes in her journal uh, and then put it back. Um, so I'll stop there and let you guys uh, spend a minute or two telling us who you're playing today. I think Chris should start because he was the first one to figure out what he was doing. <laughs> I'm just reading from the uh, sample investigator there. Uh, my plan was to play an archaeologist, so the closest one that fit was a dilettante with some archaeology skills. It was originally a female character, but we're changing it to a male, so I don't have to, like, I don't know, yeah. make things confusing for everybody. Plus all that sexual tension when Joe's character hits on you might be more than we could handle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so much more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to pull what's uh, actually already written down here. Um, the concept is in solvent air, drive is adventure, occupation is dilettante. Um, I guess I'll just, I'm going to skip over, I don't know, do we need to go over the stability stuff or pillars of sanity? Is that important for this? Or? Not, because this is a one shot, it's yeah, not my, particularly important, right. but for people who are interested in the game, uh, you know, really, this is a game where there's a good chance generally in Trail of Cthulhu that oh, the characters are going to go yeah. crazy or, or die. Yeah. And so they often have um, a couple of ideas or people that they cling to and rely on as a source of, of stability right. uh, or truth. And so as uh, they can either be contacts in the game or those can be things that if they were killed or eroded or destroyed would, yeah, would, would contribute to your loss of sanity. But yeah. <laughs> I think for this game, if you want to have one, uh, you know, one contact or one pillar, that's fine. Um, it might help with an epilogue on the story, but it won't affect the actual gameplay. Gotcha. Uh, well, I'll run it through then. Uh, source of stability for uh, the character uh, is an Aunt Emily, which is the the stern spinster character, uh, and then her uh, a brother Godfrey, which is a uh, you know character has two brothers that kind of went off and did their own thing, and I was just being lazy and you know the lazy rich kid not doing anything at the time. Uh, so uh, going over my skills, I have archaeology. What, what's the character name? Uh, I'm gonna go with How, and the last name is Low, so How Low. Uh, how how do you spell How? Uh, it's H-O-W-E. H-O-W-E. And L-O-W-E? 
L O W E L L. Lowell. Oh, maybe I should go for Howell. Lowell. No, I'll just do Howell. I thought it was Howell Low. Yeah. There we go. Sounds like a good Howell Lowell. for Yeah. Investigative skills are archaeology, art history, chemistry, credit rating, flattery, geology, history, occult, and physics. Uh, general skills are health, stability, sanity, athletics, driving, and firearms. I'm not going to go over points right now. Um, most of my general skills seem to be halfway decent, though. Uh, so the back history on this character, I'm not going to read it verbatim, but basically I was kind of like screwing off doing whatever I wanted because I, I had money in my you know my 20s, and my uh, older brothers were kind of going to Oxford and uh, getting their learn on so they can go get real jobs, and I just kind of was you know fucking off doing whatever I wanted. Um, then the depression hit. Uh, turns out my dad didn't really do well with uh, maintaining the money, so I didn't really have like no money left over to me. And my aunt was kind of like, "Well, we have Thanks, money. Dad. We have money, but we want you to kind of like uh, get your shit together, make something of yourself, and maybe we'll, you know give you some money out of that." So I dove into the archaeology thing. Uh, I tried to do geology, but found it boring. Got to the archaeology thing, and then uh, <clears throat> roped into like you know literature, languages, uh, a bunch of sciences, things like that. And then uh, the way I got into the miscellaneous society, uh, it was uh, I attended a lecture on mythology for ancient Egypt and uh, excited, you know, the whole, very much the whole archaeology, uh, you know, Indiana Jones thing. It sounds exciting, you know, going to uh, far off places and learning the uh, crazy uh, mythos. Um, that's when I talked to Margaret Blackwood and she's kind of like, oh, maybe she'd kind of join us and get into this kind of thing. So it's kind of like one of those discovery of a lifetime kind of things going on, you know. She, she really liked you personally, and um, as you said, you've been bored, you've just been listless, yeah. and you really have latched on to kind of this archaeology and to her in particular. Yeah. And so that's the main thing. You know, the stuff about the siblings is great backstory, but what really matters here is that you have a very personal connection to her and to the society. Yep. So I've been invited into the, uh, the inner circle. There is no inner circle. Oh, there's going to be no... Look, there's like <laughs> supernatural stuff going on, and there's always circles. All right, Joey, or you want to go, or...? Um, Verge, you know what your character is? Damn it, now I gotta do something? Hold on a second. Um, after Chris read his, I was like, well, uh, I um, should know more about my character. <laughs> I'll uh, you if you need to. <clears throat> oh, please do. Uh, do you have these printed as well? I do. Cool. So I am, uh, I'm gonna play the character that is uh, written as Sheldon Rawlings. I'm just gonna change the name to Sherman, just so you know that's the one I'm playing. Okay. So Sherman Rawlings, um, the concept for the pregen is an underhand book dealer. Essentially, this is a criminal driven by greed. Um, he has a uh, business partner uh, who is uh, one of his sources of um, stability, his mom, Mary, and uh, his uh, old mentor, Frank Lucky Bridges. Lucky, not Lucky Bridges. Lucky is the nickname. Lucky Bridges. What a cool nickname that would be, huh? Anyway, uh, burn all your Lucky Bridges or whatever. Um, so as Chris mentioned, I'll go through some of these investigative skills quickly. Accounting, bargain, credit rating, history, intimidation, library use, locksmith, reassurance, streetwise. Then for some general skills, of course, health, stability, sanity. Sanity is up there. Um, I guess he starts pretty good. Um, yeah. Athletics, yeah. filch, because, well, he's a thief. Oh, yeah. 
um, fleeing because because he's a thief. Yeah. <laughs> Has scuffling? Well, because he's a thief. <laughs> Sends trouble? Well, you get the idea. How do we get roped in the woods? Yeah. yeah. Uh, shadowing and stealth. So this is during the Great Depression. I think Kurt mentioned some of the uh, the period stuff early on. Um, actually, I guess it's yeah, right it's after. But yeah, yeah. But the Great Depression brought um, brought low many collectors, forcing them to get rid of stuff that they had. <clears throat> and I'm a broker in such transactions, as it were. Uh, my special interest is books. I research them extensively, locate potential sellers, and then I get it for them. However, mm -hmm. eh, you know. Eh. Um, and a member of my clients frequent the uh, Miscellany Society on Museum Street. Uh, I attend there frequently, ready to service requests for obscure items and always producing the requested books on time. On time delivery, as it were. Um, and this is um, where I befriended Professor Margaret Blackwood. She's a strange woman obsessed with folklore. She's presented several jobs, including a request for an 1834 edition of the Darker Superstitions of Scotland. Provided quite the adventure to obtain and a princely sum as a reward. Her re recent letter has been intriguing and it entices me with the potential for future escapades. Um, that letter will be the beginning of the adventure when we get there. Yeah, and uh, my latest attempt to pass off one of my partner George's forgeries as a rare first edition has the police sniffing around trying to see what's going on. Yes. Like a pack of wild dogs. Well, so maybe if I take a trip to the countryside, that could be just a ticket to get away from them. Well, and Professor Blackwood really likes you as well. Um, yeah. She is more than happy to overlook your somewhat underhanded or sketchy yeah. ways of acquiring knowledge because her lust for that knowledge is so high. That's right, girl. All right. Awesome. And Berg, you want to tell us a little bit about your guy? Yeah. Um, my guy was based on Edward Tillman, but I've changed his name to Terrence Cruz because he's an ex-cop. Uh, turned author. <laughs> Terrence Cruz. Terrence Cruz. Does he go by Terry? Or yeah, he goes by, he goes huh. by Terry or T. Cruz. Or, <laughs> Does um, he often rip his shirt off? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to spell it this way just because I think it's, it's funny. But there you go. Terrence Cruz. <laughs> um, He's Latino? He is a uh, an ex-cop. Author. Um, his skills, he's pretty, pretty high uh, health and stability and sanity. Um, what are, what are your health and stability? I'd say all of ours are pretty solid. Like Mine are started. ten. Yeah. yeah. Health, um, health, sanity, and stability are ten okay. for me. My my health is eight. Stability is ten. Sanity is ten. Okay. Same so just me. so you guys know, let me pop in here for half a second. Um, stability is a short term measurement of, you know, essentially your mental health. So when something bad happens to you in the game, that stability can go away in chunks, and it can go away pretty quickly. But in theory, if you survive the adventure, if this were a continuing campaign, that pool refreshes after each session. Um, whereas sanity is like the long-term measure of basically your ignorance of the blackness at the center of the universe. Yeah. And that's something that goes down slowly and probably will only go down like in the climax of the adventure. But I, I think it doesn't come back. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Sanity loss back. is permanent. Right, yeah. so you, you know, in a campaign can slowly kind of, even if you survive the first episode, yeah. you know, that can go away. In the purest, the reason I jumped in here is because in the purest game, health and stability are actually capped at, I think, 10. Uh, might be 12. No, I'm sorry, capped at 12. 
Um, so even though you guys are saying, oh, we're really high, it's actually not that high. If you were playing like in the in the pulp mode or whatever, you guys might have 18 stability mm. uh, or 18 gotcha. health. So you know, and you would, and part of that is because in those other modes, you have more points to allocate. Like right. you might have 60 points to allocate, so you put 15 or 20 in health. Yeah, yeah. So um, it seems like you guys have a lot relative, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the case. Cool. Okay, we suck. Sorry to interrupt. Right. Yeah, we um, <laughs> we suck. Thanks, Kurt. No, Thanks a lot, man. Just as meant to I make just... the adventure a little bit more challenging. Right. So, right, keep going. No, you're good. Um, uh, he was forced to retire after an encounter with uh, crazed lunatics. Um, he he took a knife to the leg instead of an arrow. Crazed lunatics <laughs> are the best kinds uh, of lunatics. His partner uh, actually died though, so that's why he kind of had to take himself off off the force. Um. So at that point, he, he started writing about his experiences um, uh, at the suggestion of his friend, uh, Henry Langford. It's, it's in here. Um, and that, that friend invited him to join the Miscellaneous Society um, for a talk on uh, the witch cults of Western Europe. <laughs> you know, and, and my guy, Terry, he, he doesn't really believe in any of that stuff. It's all just imagination. But it was a nice, you know, uh, thought. Um, but that's when he started kind of adding that type of thing into his own novels. Um, but then he eventually met uh, Margaret Blackwood, and talking through her, he decided to write um, what what became his magnum opus, uh, The Revenge of Thoth, and it was his best-selling book. Um, the editor wasn't was very pleased at it, and he commissioned a, a follow-up, which is going to be um, The Eye of Ishker. Uh, so that's why he's doing um, research on that. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's uh, he, he was invited to uh, Dartmoor, you know, to see if he can find some inspiration for future, sto- future stories. Excellent. So not a believer, but definitely a writer of things oh, of yeah. this nature. Oh, yeah. He'll research. Okay. Cool. Right. And so my understanding is at this point, you know, you guys all have an, an interest in either folklore or mythology or the occult, but you have not been out on adventures where you would have seen what we would think of as kind of the horrors of the Lovecraftian universe. So, um, but you are together in this world and connected uh, in it, if not friendship, at least uh, shared interest through the miscellaneous society. Any cool. questions about the mechanics uh, or the character sheets before we kind of jump into it? Uh, I realize that I may have as many questions as uh, I guess we'll see what we need to do, you know, when we get to it. You know, you know I think I'm going to do all the point is I'm works. not going to fill in the uh, the player name box. That way, when I screw up, no one will know who did it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I mean, it's not like it's out on the internet or YouTube no. or anything like no. that. No. And not to mention, I can put your name on top of my picture. And it's all good. <laughs> all good. All right. Verge, you good to go? Yeah. Just All right. Filling out the that would be a cool series. name. Verge good to go. Verge good to go. All right. So the main goal here is to have fun. Um, <laughs> but not necessarily <laughs> in, a, in a comedy sense. Yeah. So, um, go crazy. <laughs> I am going to start Don't mind the, adventure, the Keepers of the Woods. And in case you are, here's my printout. Of oh, the yeah. PDF. Hold that right up there. Here's the cover of the PDF that I printed off from the Pelgrain website. Pelgrain Press. Uh, and we're going to jump right in. Uh, they provide handout number one, um, which would be for you all here. But I'm going to go ahead and read it, given the way that we are. But you guys receive a very nice uh, postcard. Very nice. Um, addressed to you at the Miscellany Society at 4445 Museum Street in Bloomsbury, London. 
and it says, uh, "Hold on, is it um, is it from Margaret Blackwood?" It is from Professor M. Blackwood. Uh, make sure you read it in her voice. Uh, <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I'm not going to be freaked out. So, for each one of you, you receive something equivalent to this. It says, "My dearest friend, I've made a most remarkable discovery." Oh, she's hot. <laughs> who would have thought that Dartmoor held such a key to my research? An extant group who actively worship an ancient god right here in England. You must come to Post Bridge at once. Your advice and insight into this matter would be most helpful to me. I have accommodations at the Thistle Lodge. I look forward to seeing you as soon as possible. By way of geography, since we are not British, uh, my understanding is that the Dartmoor is a moor in... Oh, you want me to hold it up? No, is that a map on the back? Uh, it is of, of a village when we get there. Oh, okay, so, sorry. Uh, but I thought is, it might have helped. So. It is a moor in Devonshire, uh, okay. and so... Um, we're going essentially to the, what we would think of as the Dartmoor region, and then the smaller village, and there's a couple of villages we may be in, but I think we're going to start in the village of Post Bridge. And when we say village, we're talking like one street, you know, some houses and three or four public buildings. Okay. So, um, so you all received this letter from Professor Blackwood um, urging you, Margaret Blackwood, urging you to join her uh, as soon as possible. And I'm just going to set aside my handouts. Now, the way the uh, the adventure plays out, do these characters know each other? Like, at all? You do, from the society. Okay. Yeah. The idea so is we, we've all, met at least in passing. Yeah, you've yeah. all at least been all in right. meetings together. You know, they, they have kind of a, a general monthly meeting at the society, mm -hmm. and then there's a weekly meeting, kind of committee meeting for subspecialties. Okay. So you can decide how well you know each other, but you certainly have been to that monthly meeting. Yeah for as long as you want to. Perhaps I've gotten some books off you. Perhaps. I'm an author. You're a book dealer. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> what was the name of the adventure again? Sorry. Keepers? The, keeper, the Keepers of the Woods. The Keepers of the Woods. All right, wow. so you all have received the letter um, urging you to come to Postbridge, to Thistle Lodge. Um, That's where I'll see the professor. As I say, I'll have you guys react to that I'm and then go from there. No. Yeah. Now, would we we've gotten these letters separately, right? Uh, yes, but they were all addressed to you at the society because they knew that you would huh. be able to pick. And them there was up no like certain day we just show up whenever you know get the thing and get going. Okay. I mean, I think the idea is that you've just received the letter, and she's very excited to see you. Right. All right. Um, I would expect because of my profession, I'd be the last to show up to make sure I could case a joint ahead of time. <laughs> So would you guys go up there together? Um, the, the area that you're going to is a full, uh, like, six to seven hours from London by train, uh, probably five to six by car, um, depending on your credit rating. Um, and I'm not going to refer a ton to the character sheets, but credit rating in Trail of Cthulhu is kind of a general um, wealth level, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, what, what are your guys' credit ratings on your credit I was going to say, based on this mission, what's a good credit rating, do you know? Um, Just to see if any of us are good. I mean, I... Is anyone four or above? No, I'm at a three. Yeah. Three. Okay, so, but you're the you're the dilettante, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so with three, you could certainly have a car to go. Yeah, I would definitely take a car. Yeah. I would prefer to take a car. Yeah. I have a two. I have okay. three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you guys, you know, you're not going to generally be constrained by resources. If that's the case, then yeah, let's go in a car together. Okay. Okay. Um, what kind of car? Do you know? Well, I don't know. I'm not as rich as I used to be. <laughs> so it's like a five-year-old car. Yeah. yeah. What's the 30, so it's... Yeah, what's... It's like a grand many choices. We don't really have many choices. When we did the, um, that other adventure, 
I think it was in the forties, but it was like it was a Graham Nash Deluxe or something that's, like that's that. Right. We did. Yeah. Whatever they would like have that. available yeah. in Britain. Yeah. That would be cool. I'm not sure about British cars in 1935, but <laughs> with a credit rating of three or greater, you could, would either have your own car or be able to hire one for yeah. five. So. I would like to have our own just in case. We'd be like a five-year-old Jaguar. Yeah, Jaguar. All right, so if you guys are driving together, um, you're going to leave yep. early on the morning of the 15th. Um, so her letter was, de- uh, of course, they oh. don't put a date on there. I think um, you'd be driving. Yeah. Um, there. Uh, what you're driving? How? Ten. Oh, yeah. How? Mine's a six. Yeah, I have no driving skill. Oh, so you guys received the letter on the January 14th, 1935. Cool. So <clears throat> given the length of the drive and the, kind of the need to make preparations and pack and everything, you guys agreed to meet early on the morning of the 15th uh, to make the drive uh, up to Dartmoor. Um, it's a cool, crisp, but beautiful morning in London uh, when you guys get together. Um, the sun is shining bright, um, but you know it's January in London, mm-hmm. so it it is cold. Um, now I'd like I, I want to make a mention too. One of the things I really enjoy when we play the older games is the idea of thinking in my head, getting in the right framework of there's for our general purposes. There's there's no television, there's no phones, there's no mobile phones for goodness sakes. We're probably just reading the newspaper with day old news, and you're not getting anything outside of your local community for several days. And I, I always love that idea because when you just said. You know, we received the letter here, and it's like two days later, we're on the way. That's the way it used to work, and I, I like getting in that mindset. Right, and it's so fun. that's exactly right. Um, all of your interactions in this will be, you know, in person. You're going to yeah. have to go to see people if you want to talk yeah. to them. So, Read books. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and this is a major trip, and six to seven hours by car. Yeah. Think about for us to go to the South Carolina shores, you know, say four hours. So you guys are going to be in the car a good chunk of the day together. Yeah. Um, but that's in part because autos are not. It's going to break down three times yeah. on the, the roads way. aren't nowhere near as yeah. good either. Especially if it's a Jaguar. It's breaking down several times on the way. <laughs> Few right. problems ever since the beginning. <laughs> What's important about the trip itself is that um, you know, as your car works its way out of, the, even back then, the congestion of London, um, you start to move uh, from the city to kind of areas of small villages. Um, you're on country roads. Um, this, uh, the urban area has given way to like rolling green fields. Um, so even though it's January here, um, there's not heavy snow on the ground. Um, it's very pastoral as you drive along, but the roads are rough and bouncy um, and it takes actually a bit of a physical toll to make a drive this long. You guys probably stop somewhat regularly to stretch your legs and work the kinks out of your back. Um, Especially me, I got the injured leg. Uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You got a bum um, leg? Yeah. That's right, because he got stabbed. Oh. Oh. I, took, I took a knife to the leg. Did you take it out? <laughs> no, it's, it's like... <laughs> I just left the blade in. It's a handle. Now it's a sheath. <laughs> nice. Um, the area that you're going through in real life is the area where, um, this is just as an aside, I think Sir Con- uh, Conan Doyle, who wrote oh, uh, yeah, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes yeah. Adventures, um, this is actually where he stayed when he was writing The Hound of Baskervilles. So oh, if you guys have read The Hound of Baskervilles, you know that like desolate kind of the moors. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. I never uh, read it, but I did see the TV yeah. um, episode. Uh, so Dartmoor is, I think, was. supposed to be kind of similar yeah. in your mind to there. Yeah, so cool. as you guys, so there's always a mist hanging over the ground. And, that's right. right. So, well, interestingly, today as you guys get out there, um, there has been a noticeable change in weather as hmm. you near the vi- the village. Um, when you start to, as, as you get closer and closer, the sky gets more and more gray. Um, it's really cold. 
Like, you went from cool, crisp January day, like what you would expect in London, to kind of frigid cold um, as you near a post-bridge. Um, there's even some flurries starting in the sky. Um, and it's, this is more than just a five-degree temperature drop. I mean, you, you, wow. we were all shocked okay. at how gray What and time of, you said it was January. January, mid-January, yeah. 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 Um, so at this point, that's kind of the, you know, you're, you guys are a little bit shocked at the changes. So the even weather. for the time of year, this is still a little odd. It, it, strikes, you, it strikes you at this point that yeah. it's pretty darn mm. cold out. So um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. So um, the only, I think, link that you have at this point is the fact that you know that Professor Blackwood is staying at the Thistle Lodge. Um, okay. But when you guys come into um, the village of Postbridge, as I said, it's kind of one main street. There's a street, and another one. You're, you guys are coming in from the east, and you actually hit um, the Thistle Lodge would be one of the first major buildings that you get to. You pass some farmhouses. Um, there are you know sheep and cows actually out in the field. Um, this is definitely rural England at this point. But when you get to the um, towards the Thistle Lodge, you can see that it's really a quite picturesque building. Um, it's on a street that runs away from the village proper. Um, it's built out of stone. Has a a small garden in the front, even though it's January, you can tell it's likely a vegetable garden. Um, maybe it provides food for the guests there uh, or something like that. Um, and But the building itself almost seems to kind of disappear into the landscape around it, which at this point is, you know, you're pulling up and even though there's some flurries in the air, at this point it is kind of a green rolling landscape as you arrive into the village. I'm assuming there aren't too many uh, motorized transports in the town. They're not. You, in fact, you haven't seen, you haven't passed a car for the last two hours of your drive. Right. People have been yeah, that was probably about two hours ago that I stopped looking out the back window to see if there were any cops behind <laughs> us and started looking out the front window at the countryside. At the former cop that was riding with me. Exactly. <laughs> former being the keyword. Yeah. Yeah. Did you stab him in the leg? <laughs> Shh. <laughs> he doesn't know it. They don't follow prints. That's uh, time left gotcha. remaining. Yeah. yeah, so I could park it wherever I could, uh, you know, to make sure it's out of the way. I don't want to be one of those guys that are just, like, taking up you know, space here. Park it right behind the horses yeah. <laughs> so they can't get out. Park it right in the garden. Yeah. Not being used right now, right? <laughs> Step on the gas to harvest some of the yeah. carrots. <laughs> so are y'all going to head into the, the, the lodge? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to take a look around to see... Uh, yeah, do people find us weird pulling in with a car like this? Uh, are they looking at us weird because we're dressed differently? What's what's the kind of like the uh, I don't know, like the personality of the town? We could just pick up as yeah, everyone people. dressed in farming clothes. Yeah, great question. So unless we're you city folk, drive into town before you go to the lodge. Would you want to do something like that? I w it wouldn't uh, catch me. It's fine. It would you do. like it wouldn't catch my character. Like I would yeah. do it personally, but like, yeah. would that be something that character me, would want to do? I guess the way I'm looking at it is I'm not here really to steal something, so I don't need to case the joint okay. yet. Gotcha. If I see something that's worthwhile, then I'll hang back and be inconspicuous. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. In the meantime, right you guys will walk up front anyway. Yeah. They're always more likely to notice the guy with the limp, <laughs> <laughs> and I can just stand behind, kind of walking casually. So the reason I ask is, like I said, you're coming into town from we have a map east, of the town. Yeah, so you're coming in on this road, and you're hitting the lodge first. before you would get to the main street of town. Okay. Um, is so, there anything on there we can't see? That you can't see? As in we're not supposed to see? Yeah. Because uh, otherwise, if you want, you can put it out here and we can... Yeah, it's just that you wouldn't know what else was there until you went there. Okay, then but, that's fine. Yeah. Unless it was still like a building. Oh, we can see that building from where we're stopping the car, you know, yeah. something like that. So where you stop... It's, we can play probably, stupid, you know. I was going to say, it's a couple hundred yards play. up to the main uh -huh. street. And you can tell that there's not a lot here. I mean, this is a small uh -huh. village. 
Um, it looks like just down the road, maybe 100 yards in front of you or 200 yards is where the it's, it, you tee with what I'll call Main Street. And it looks like there might be an inn or a tavern or a, a bar oh. up there on the corner. Um, you see residential small houses, kind of thatch roof, English cottages. Um, and then it looks like maybe there's a general store. Um, I mean, you, can, you know, this is up there. You can definitely tell that there's a church up at the far end of the street. So okay, having said that, I think you would, I, it's fine to put that out there. Yeah, look at our map. Neat. And that's just from the end of the PDF. Um, so, yeah, I guess what I would say, too, is it, do we still have a little bit of flurries going? Just, just the beginning of the flurry. So, like I okay. said, it's, you know, you've got the garden and the green rolling lands, but it is cold, and it appears mm -hmm. to have just, just started a light snow. So it's at least in my head that before we leave town, I want to check out the church because they almost always have old books that people want for the church. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, I'd say let's go into the lodge, get warmed up, get something neat. You know, it's been a long road, long drive. Okay. So um, this is not a particularly large, it's, it's what I would think of as almost a bed and breakfast. Um, so it, as you may or may not know over there, often people will essentially open up their homes and they'll have you know, mm. rooms for rent. It's a little bit bigger than that, uh, but it's not anything like a modern hotel. Um, you all open the, the front door, which is fairly heavy and, and well-built, um, and you notice all, almost immediately upon stepping inside that while, while the entry area is relatively spartan, it's not um, overdone with you know, what I would call tchotchkes, um, <laughs> it is very warm and accommodating and appealing to be there. Um, you notice uh, right on the, by the door where you come in, there's like a large, uh, what looks like a man's kind of barber jacket, like you might wear out in the fields working, a rain jacket, and a large pair of boots there. Um, Is there a fire going? There's a fire fireplace. going, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then even here, as you come in, you can see just off to the right that there's kind of a casual dining area with a, mm -hmm. a table where perhaps you might be able to take dinner with her. Um, and when I say her, um, as you come in, um, you're greeted by what you assume is kind of the proprietor of the place um, who comes over um, and is very welcoming and friendly and appears happy to have potential guests having just walked in her front door. Awesome. Cool. Well, I will not acknowledge her directly, but I'll unwrap my scarf around my neck, unbutton my peacoat a little, and start to catch the warmth of the fireplace. Okay. Well, and she comes over and she says, oh, you know, hello, everyone. Glad to have you. Uh, you don't look like you're from around here. Uh, if I may, I'll introduce myself. Uh, I'm Hannah Blacknam. Um, my husband, James, and I run this establishment. Um, can we help you? Do you perhaps need a room this evening? We're definitely going to need a room, um, but we're also looking for an acquaintance of ours. Um, she's a professor. She's uh, staying here. Oh. Um, and it, it, as soon as you ask that, you can see Hannah um, kind of gets visi visibly distraught. Um, and she said... Um, she, she kind of turns and says, you know, have you all seen the, the morning paper? We just pulled into the town. Ah. Um, and Where is the, the paper? paper? It's on the back of the other handout that I just used. On the back of the map? Uh, yes. Let me see that. I'll read the paper. You want to read the paper? Sure, I'll read it's it. It's the bottom handout there. The bottom one. Oh, the paper reads, Unseen Hand Strikes Again. A road outside the village of Postbridge, Devon, sees third accident in as many months. Margaret Blackwood, hmm, professor of folklore at UCL and winner of the Coots Lake Medal, was driven from the road to her death in mysterious circumstances last night. Two similar accidents include the death of a doctor in a motor coach crash. 
the driver of which claimed it was as if two large, strong, hairy hands grabbed the wheel, forcing him to swerve. A local psychic suggests the presence of a malign spirit, possibly a murderer. Authorities are dismissive of such fantasies, claiming the deaths are results the deaths result from drivers on unfamiliar... I should have brought my glasses with me today. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Right, the yeah, if you guys would like to read the article. And that is, I believe, from the Tavistock Times. Um, the main takeaway there is that Professor Blackstock has died uh, in a traffic accident. Um, this comes as such a shock to all of you who know her personally, and really, mm -hmm. she considers you trusted confidants, that each of you needs to uh, make a three-point stability test. All right, tell us how that works, Kurt. Yeah, or is there something on here that we can read, one of us can read? Uh, is this a general ability? Stability is considered something separate, a, so the bottom okay. middle column might be helpful on the cheat sheet. Um, you want to read it or you want me to read yeah, it? Yeah, I'll grab that one. Stability protects you from shock. Test stability versus four for ordinary horror versus five for mythos events. If you fail, you lose a stated amount from your stability pool. Some mythos uh, threats cause stability loss even on a success. Point spends from the stability pool may be worthwhile against far greater loss from a failed test. Okay. So here's the key on this. Um, you're going to roll 1d6. Mm -hmm. You need to get a four or better. Okay. Or you lose whatever the amount of the test is, which in this case is three points stability. Now, are you supposed to tell us that number ahead of time? I am. Okay. And you can choose right. to spend stability points. So if I roll a three, I want to spend the one so I don't take the three but loss. You have to spend in advance. Right. When you spend, you lose those points. Mm. So mathematically, on a relatively low cost, it may not yeah. be worth like spending two points to avoid the risk of losing three. Yeah. Especially because if you still lose, <clears> you lose <throat> the spend and, and the three. Yeah. Um, I think mathematically, when I've looked at it, and I'm not trying to influence the game here, but on, yeah. on high-risk things, it's often worth spending the points. Yeah. But on the smaller ones... So we have to get high, three or, or higher than three? You need four, 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 four or, or higher. higher. On, a, on this on this particular test. Um, and if you fail, it will be three points off of your stability pool. Plus I'll go first. Two. So are you going to spend any points or are you just going to roll? I'm actually going to go right for it and spend two. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to lose those two from your pool yep. for the rest of the game regardless. And let's see what I... And, oh, that's a six. I didn't really that's need to spend anything. All right, so you did not But I got two. it. But I lost two instead of three. Correct. And that's what I'm looking at. So, um, so my so my um, stability is now at an eight. Yes, that's right. And so you guys, um, when you lose stability, um, mechanically that has no effect right now on the game. But you guys are certainly welcome mm -hmm. to kind of role play how that goes. And you know, losing one or two points is going to be like shock. Um, you know, maybe yeah. you need to sit down and have a minute. You know, losing three or four points, you know, is yeah. a bigger deal. You're you know, that kind of thing. Right. Well, for me, I think it's, it's enough that I was shaking while I was reading the uh, article. Right, right, great. Definitely. Okay, uh, who wants to go next? I'll go next. I'm not going to use any points there. Oh, okay. So Chris Jedi, rolled, a rolled a three. Well, that's all right. So he, that's fine. Three points? he fails the test. So you actually do receive a shock from this. In this case, that shock, I believe I said, was a three point. Yep. Uh, Kurt, would you grab one more pencil out of there, please? Absolutely. I've been sharing one with Chris here, and I'll just I'll have one for myself. I'm going to use one point. Thank one you, point. sir. That's, uh... One point for Terrence. Oh, oh, oh no. he rolled a uno. So, I so was four. Terry got the worst possible result, which was he spent a 
point, and he failed the test. Mm -hmm. So you are going to lose four. Oh, so I gotta so eight to four there. is not a, a great start for Terry. Uh-huh. Um, I will mention that when you get to zero on stability, um, you are treated as being shaken in the game, yep. which has some penalties associated with mm. it. Basically, it makes your investigations and skill checks harder. Um, if you get to negative six to 11, um, then you're what's considered blasted, and it gets even worse. And if you were to get to negative 12, then you are, as they say, permanently gaga goo goo. So, um, we don't want none of that going on. <laughs> it actually does. On the quick sheet, says permanently gaga at negative 12. Yeah. Nice. Um, you start wearing meat suits. And all yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, and Hannah, um, obviously, because she can tell that you are all shaking. Some uh, others. I can't read my poker face. I, I, have, to, I have to sit down. And, so she says, um, oh, I'm, you know, I hate to be the bringer of this bad news right upon your arrival to our, our wonderful town. Um, perhaps I can make a spot of tea. Would that make you feel better, young man? Uh, yes, bring tea for us. Yes, and some food as well. Says, I'll see what I can do. Make so, it Irish. Tea and biscuits, please. <laughs> so she... Um, crumpets. So she goes off to, the, um, off to that right area where I told you there was kind of a dining table, and then even back in from there must be the kitchen. Um, and you hear her bustling around, and she comes back you know, just a few minutes later, and she has a very nice, simple but nice uh, teapot and three cups of tea with saucers. Uh, and she has Irish breakfast tea for uh, Terence, uh, and then she offers Earl Grey and English breakfast for you as well. Yep. Uh, and then she's put out um, a couple of scones and a couple of very simple uh, biscuits. So, um, We're thinking what time of day is it right now when we got here? It's got to be past midday. Yeah, well past midday. We're it was a six to seven drives, six to seven hour drive. And how yeah. early would we have left, though? It's a, like a late afternoon, early evening. Yeah. We're, we're pretty much doing a dinner at this point. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be dark out this time of year. Yeah, it's tea time. Tea time. Um, well, we yeah, are having in, tea. In, so. in January, it will be getting dark early there. Yeah. So if it's not dark yet, it's moving that way. Um, Can I ask her about the who's the local psychic here? Is mentioned in the paper. Uh, she asked who the local psychic is. Yeah. Um, do you have that article? Yeah. I just want to make sure that I oh, yeah. give you the proper. It has the name. Also, do you know the name of the doctor that was, who failed the accident? Kurt has to read it. Yeah, I'm just reading the He's article, almost there. article to make sure. Yeah, and, and she, says, she says, oh, um, she says, uh, the doctor, that was, that was some time ago. Um, both these other accidents were some time ago. Um, she's like, he was from out of town as well. I, to be honest, I don't recall his name, but I'm sure I could find it. Uh, Yes. Um, I can certainly get that for you. Um, she, says, <laughs> she says, you know, the, uh, the Tavistock Times is a, uh, she's like, it's our paper and we love it, but it is a, it's a bit of a, what you might call a tabloid. She says, we don't really have a psychic per se, she says, but, um, you know, we do have um, people here who are uh, very knowledgeable about local legends and folklore uh, and things of that nature. Um, and I think it's, it's probably is William is uh, probably the, probably the person who provided that quote to the to the newspaper. Um, William, uh, I believe so, it's Blackman. Let me just double. Not quite clairvoyant, but in the know. Correct. Um, William. Hmm. Great. Um, you call him. Billy. Local authorities we'll that they uh, said. Um, <laughs> Where, where would we go to, to speak with him? 
Um, I just want to make sure I give you the right name. Excuse uh, Yeah, William MacArthur. Um, MacArthur. Yeah, and she could tell you a little bit more about him. But um, since, uh, she's Billy Mac. <laughs> um, does, um, the authorities, well, you know, you would have to go see, uh, I'm afraid you'd have to go see the constable in, in Princetown. Um, they're dealing with the investigation of the crash. And that's kind of the next town over from this little village. That How far is Princetown? It's not far. It's just up the river. Would you very much like to speak with him? Where, uh, what part of town were these? Are the accidents in the same part of town? Like, exact? They were in the same place. Same time of day? Uh, no, not necessarily. It's just um, a particular area of the road where, you know, this is the third time that there's been a fatal accident. Yeah. Um, but she tells you, you know, that the police in, in um, Princeton or Princetown are handling the investigation. Um, do you want to ask her anything else? Do, do you think that anything uh, malevolent is going on? Or do you uh, accept the constable's explanation of just not knowing the road well with respect to the accidents i you know i don't you know this legend of the hairy hands that people people talk about she's like i think that's that's silly i, I don't think that there's anything untoward in that regard um why don't you roll and assess honesty though or something <coughs> or some similar kind of personal skill i gotta assess honesty okay. uh, one in that better than none that's a four okay, so you got four with that Okay, so, and generally most of your rolls are you're rolling against a four, so um, you you believe that well you would have to spend that one. If oh, you okay. Yeah. That, which I'm not asking you to do here. Um, you you believe her? She doesn't think that there's anything mysterious about the deaths, but you also get the sense that maybe she's kind of there's something that she's worried about. And she hasn't told you everything. Um, you also, being British, however, would not expect a strange lady you met ago to tell you everything that was happening. But she may know more or be worried about something that you haven't told her yet. Um, she could tell us something more about uh, William MacArthur. Uh, Where would we find him? She says, well, William, he's um, he's quite a character. He, uh, how shall I say this politely? He's, um, well, he likes to tip a few back. You can usually find him at the, uh, the East Dart which is our local uh, drinking establishment just up the road. I think you probably could even see it as you came in. Um, you start, uh, he's there most days. Uh, he had a really horrible experience in the war when he was in France, and um, it's, he's, a, he's a veteran. And to be honest, he's never recovered from the things he saw there, and he, uh, I think he has to drink the memories away. So. But he really does know a remarkable, a remarkable amount about our local history and, uh, and legends and folklore. He, and he, uh, if you buy him a drink, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to share that with you. Could you tell us uh, where these accidents happened as well? Uh, she can. She know, I mean, knows the area well enough to give you kind of precise directions okay. to the area where that happens. Good. Um, does anyone else, does anyone have um, a little history as a skill? Uh, so, uh, no, I do not. Or, I have library use, that's about all, but unless there's some books or other newspapers around, I don't see that helping. I have much. history. I, I do have history, yeah. I have history. Yeah. I have art history, but that's about it. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so she'll just tell you that um, William Blackman tends to hang out at the East Dart Inn, um, and she'll also mention that he, um, she knows that Professor um, Margaret, uh, Professor Blackwood had at some point interviewed him because of his information. Right. And I would definitely much like to do that as well. And you said you might know something about the doctor's name, previous accident. Oh, yes. She says, you know, if you can give me a couple minutes, I'll go, I'll go look around and find out for you. Okay. Is her husband kind of behind the scenes, or is... Um, so you actually don't see her husband. You see the, the coat and boots that you presume are his, but um, you don't see him anywhere. So she's here, and you haven't seen any guests or anything mm. otherwise. It does sound like we may be in town for a few days. Perhaps we should get a room regardless. Well, I guess we'll find out after... Definitely talking to the constable, uh, Prince because Princeton. all my years in, in, on the force, um, one or two accidents you, you can probably write off, but I, I'm not putting any stock into this myth. But there seems to be something going on if there's three different accidents that seem very similar, all mm -hmm. in the same area. That 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 doesn't it doesn't fit right with me. Who was the third? So we had the professor, the doctor, and the third. And there was a uh, like a motor bus oh, uh, yeah. coach that had crashed there as mm. well. Hmm. Yeah. So everybody's looking at me in the same kind of way. Big hairy hands. Well, well I got big hairy hands. But come on. Um, did you guys? Did you ask about her husband at all? Yeah, I didn't yet. I wanted to see if we noticed him. Yeah. No, um, you didn't notice him. Uh, but I was going to wait though. She came back with the doctor's so information first. We were just chatting amongst ourselves before she got back. I think we need a game plan. Like I'd say we talk to William MacArthur, then take a drive by the accident site to see if something looks odd. I would definitely like to talk to the constable then, so I can probably uh, get some, the, some useful information from yeah, him. Yeah, I'm not sure if we want to talk to the constable tonight or tomorrow. Uh, definitely tomorrow. It's very late. I would say William MacArthur and yes. the, the location, accident location. Well, we won't be able to see much on the location tonight. I mean, it's fairly dark. Yeah, but I'd like to get an idea of what the road does look like mm -hmm. at that time of day. Walk. <clears throat> oh, I'll take a drive a little bit. I want to see what happens. So Where's your sense of adventure? <laughs> well, I think this would be a good place to take a little break. You think? And uh, we can, when we pick it back up, we can start on which, whichever one of those paths you all want to follow. How's it going so far, Kurt? I mean, you guys have already flown some stability tests. You're a little yeah. shaken, so I think <laughs> yeah. that's a good start for Trail of Cthulhu Adventure. <laughs> are we getting the clues, following the clues? You are. You are. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Awesome. Great. Yeah, and um, I call, you know, yeah, occasionally I'm going to have to look up names and things. because we, we, we have an unnecessary success. Unnecessary. Fail, <laughs> or unnecessary use of points <laughs> on a success, yeah. a fail, fail, and then a big fail. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. right on track. Yeah. It's all good. Right on track. Exactly. <laughs> you guys are in town. You've got a room. You've got a nice uh, innkeeper ready mm -hmm. to take care of you. And you've got at least a couple of clues to follow. So it sounds like you're ready for uh, episode two shortly. Cool. I'm going to try and open this um, exit uh, music here and see if I get it right. Uh, I'll have to listen, though. So talk for another second. Are you able to at least what give us the name of the doctor before we oh, yeah, yeah. bow out of the... Let's see if I can find that. Just so I can put, it, in, see if I can put it into it. the note pile. I am not sure if I, to be honest, if I have that, and it's... I don't think... Or I guess, I guess the more important thing is, like, what was he a doctor? Uh, you know, was he just a straight medical guy? And what was he looking into kind of thing? You know? mm -hmm. uh, that we'll probably have to find out later. Yeah. I'm just wondering if she would have the information now, so we're not. I guess that's the uh, end of the timer. Um, you know, when you guys talk to the police. You know how to use a, a phone? <laughs> Speed it if day. I have that or make it, it wasn't, up, I'll give it to you yeah. when you guys talk to the police officer. All right, that's cool. Fantastic. All right, I think I might have this ready, so let me go ahead and end it. Oh.
The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Yang. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.